Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rashidi, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rashidi. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Even before the COVID pandemic transformed office workers into a nation of folks who sit at their dining table three days a week in dress shirt and yoga pants, We've been taking our laptops to coffee shops and hanging out there for hours working. Now today, the coffee shop is cemented permanently into our mix of alternative office spaces. Wherever you go in the United States, you see a particular breed of coffee shop warrior. They have earbuds in so they can't communicate with anybody and their gaze is so intently fixed on a screen they're barely aware of other humans around them. With this almost total isolation, you might wonder why these folks want to be in a place like a coffee shop where there are so many distractions. Well, apparently, there's something about the buzz of coffee shops and coffee that is conducive to task completion. You'd be forgiven for thinking this coffee culture started in Seattle when Starbucks was founded in 1971, but it actually started long before that, in the 15th century. The home of coffee wasn't a town called Frappuccino, but it was called Mocha, Mocha is the name of the port city where coffee was first exported from its home in Yemen. Today, if you want to find authentic Yemeni coffee, you can find it here in New Orleans at the Hay Coffee Company on the Lafitte Greenway. Hay Coffee imports and roasts a number of unique small batch coffees. The co-founder of Hay Coffee and its coffee shop, Hay Cafe, is Greg Rodrigue. Greg, welcome out to lunch. Oh, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. While the coffee shop is an alternative to working at home, other than an endless supply of coffee and pastries, it doesn't have a significant advantage over your kitchen table. Sometimes, whether you're at home or on the road, you need more than just a flat surface for your laptop. Sometimes you need an office. And if you're on the other side of the desk, now that your employees are working out of the office a few days a week, you find yourself with a bunch of office space you're paying for and not using. A new company called Workaroo is solving all of these problems at once. The easiest way to think of Workaroo is the Airbnb of office space. If you have an office with empty desks or an empty conference room, you can rent out your office space for a day or two, or even an hour or two. And if you need office space to work in or a conference room to hold a meeting, you can find that on the Workaroo app, either in advance or on the day you need it. The founder of Workaroo is Claire Bertrand. Claire, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me. Greg, we're all familiar with the mega millions Starbucks has made selling cups of coffee. With a single coffee shop, you have the same overhead that a Starbucks outlet has in terms of rent, employees, inventory, and everything else that goes into running a business. But you don't have the same built-in franchise corporate support. And small coffee shops like yours that are serious about quality coffee don't have the fancy high margin drinks that Starbucks created. Given that you are actually in competition with Starbucks and with other local chains, it strikes me that you must know something about running a small business. Not only have you kept 
Hay Cafe operating since 2009, but in the face of a lot of competition, you've grown the business into a coffee importing and roasting company. If you were talking to a class at business school, what would be the first and most important lesson you would impart about running a small business? To put it pretty simply, customer service. Um, when you say, I guess, what could set us apart from a Starbucks, it's the fact that we work with, I mean, our, our staff, our employees are incredible and they project their happiness and their good energy to the folks that come into the shop. And um, when that happens, that's where we create something that's valuable. And you uh, had an auspicious start. You guys were working in a coffee place and they, they closed the doors and then you got this going. Pretty much, yeah. So um, the other owner, Tommy LeBlanc, and I were working at the establishment. It was called Magazine Perks. The owner at the time was ready to move on with the business and Magazine Perks was in the red financially at the time. And we said, well, instead of going and finding new jobs, what if we try to take over the lease and try to start our own business here. We worked it out to where we signed the lease. Claire, Workaroo is one of those winning concepts that seems so simple and obvious once you think of it. There is so much empty office space in every city in the country because so many people are working from home. There are always people traveling for business who need an office for a day or so. And in every city, there are independent contractors who need an office occasionally, but don't want to commit to a permanent shared office space like we work. Your Workaroo app, where office owners and folks looking for temporary office space can meet, seems like it could blow up into an office space version of, of Airbnb. Of course, there's a long journey between having a great idea and turning it into a profitable business. One of the obstacles to founding a business like this is capital. The money it costs to build the product and, and to get it out there so your target market hears about it. How are you financing Workaroo, and, and uh, how are you launching it? Uh, yeah, so it absolutely hasn't been a long journey. I think when you are trying to scale a business, it, it truly does take um, an entire ecosystem. And what we found over the last four years is our Louisiana ecosystem has been absolutely incredible. We've had mentors from Lafayette, like Charles, New Orleans, and Baton Rouge who have helped us on this journey. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing with a startup is, is finding the door to open, right? And you may not know that door is there, but your mentors do and these various incubators or these, our community is willing to help. Louisiana people want to help Louisiana people. And uh, I think you just have to find those who are willing to help and ask the questions. And so that's what we've been able to do over the last four years is, all we need somebody is, I told a mentor about six months ago, I said, if you just open up the door, I'll run around that entire house. I just need to know where the door is. Um, so I say that to say that it's, it's taken a village and we are thankful for our Louisiana ecosystem of helping us that. And then as far as financing, it's been personal savings and capital and us just uh, investing in ourselves and bootstrapping and being very smart, very smart with our money um, along the way. And Greg, um, first of all, where are the, the places now, but the roaster and the retail outlets? Where, where are you looking? So currently we're um, operating out of one location on the Lafitte Greenway at uh, 2606 St. Louis Street. And we roast there and we also have an espresso bar there. And we're 
um, by the end of the year, we'll have our um, Hay Cafe location reopen um, in the Broadmoor neighborhood. That's great. And will the roasters be separate, or they, they should be in the store? Well, we'll just be roasting on the Greenway. So the new location will um, be a cafe, and we'll have, like, um, baked goods. We're planning on baking some things in-house uh, at the new location. You know, my students at Tulane, employers love athletes. They think they're... Uh, first of all, they're responsible, they uh, have discipline, they have good time management. And all of your staff, all of your founders come from that same background. It Does it help? I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I think uh, with us all being Division I athletes and all Division I runners, I think it is special. Um, it's special for a lot of reasons. And one of those is the fact that with a track athlete, there's nowhere to hide. You are on a track team, but when you race, it is you out there and you alone. Um, and the other thing with track runners is you train for a race once every four years. So if you're a professional runner, you are training for the Olympic team. And that happens once every four years. So there's a constant grind that mimics that of a startup. Um, the behind the scenes, the willingness to do what no one else sees. Um, they see something when it's launched, but they don't see the countless hours, the 5 a.m., the midnights. But that's it. The journey of a startup is so similar to that of, of training. And I think that's truly helped us. Now, Yemen as a source for, for coffee. I mean, Yemen has had a kind of a tough past. I mean, there's been wars and everything else. Um, why'd you do it? Well, um, you're talking about Yemeni's coffee right now. And part of our mission as a business is to be able to have folks that enjoy our coffee see ideally part of the bigger picture. And even understanding that coffee was first exported from Yemen leads one to think like, well, where did coffee originally come from? And then you can go to the birthplace of coffee, which is Ethiopia. And part of it too is, um, so uh, um, an exporter that we work with you know, they said, okay, we've connected with this producer in Yemen. She has some coffee that she's willing to export and sell. It, there's not a lot of it, and uh, but would would you be willing to take a risk on buying some of this coffee? And we said, yes, absolutely. And and the coffee's delicious, and um, it helps lead to talking about the story of coffee, and then even thinking about um, without getting too grandiose. Um, if our folks that come into the coffee shop are thinking, well, where did this coffee come from? How do I get more of it? Then we start to think about how do we sustain that idea? And in having good, high-quality coffee comes from us partially deciding to support farmers and producers that are doing high-quality work and giving them um, resources in the form of money to continue doing that work. Um, and that is definitely what's happening with that Yemenese coffee. It was um, one of the more expensive raw coffees that we've bought, and we knew that uh, a significant portion of that money was directly going to the producer so that she could keep doing what she was doing in years to come. And uh, we also donated 10% of the percentage of that sale to uh, the Mocha Institute, which helps uh, invest money into producers and farmers in the in that area as well, um, and you know that that's one percentage of I mean not one percentage but that's one small part of what we do, and it brings me 
personal joy and pride in the business to be able to do things like that when it's appropriate. And Claire, uh, one, of you, one of the founders uh, said something that I just got a biggest kick out of. She's an attorney and, um, and, and, and just asked herself, uh, why is nobody doing this, right? Yeah, I don't, I've asked myself that over and over. I think it's, it's because we come from a small town. And when you come from flyover country or smaller places, you see things through a different lens. And so if you're not from what you want to call like a Dallas or a Houston or a New York or even a Boston, there, there are accesses. You have access to things that we don't necessarily have in a Lake Charles or a Lafayette. Or, and we don't have one town in Louisiana that's over half a million people. We just don't. Um, but what to, to go back, one of our whys is you shouldn't have, your access to being successful shouldn't be in your proximity to a large town. So what we're able to do is we're able to provide office spaces in any town, no matter the size. We're able to help workers in any town, no matter the size. And so we're just providing access in places that there aren't. And I, I just believe it's because we've, we've looked through this through a different lens. And it's because of where we're from. And Claire, I would think in a business like this, there's a ton of work on the front end, getting, getting those office spaces. Is that where you are now? And is that the tough part? Yeah, so we are on onboarding office spaces right now. That is the more manual part. Um, it is once you log on to workaroo.com, you can you don't need our help to list the space, but we're more than happy to help. So you can contact us on LinkedIn at Workaroo, or we have their, our info contact us page if you need any help with it. But it is it is manual because we are vetting spaces because we know that the first experience you have with us is the only experience you've ever had with us. So we are very right. hands-on at the moment. But once we get to scale, you sh I mean, it's onboarding over and over and over again. Um, but it is fairly manual at the start. So we're onboarding spaces across, across the I-10 corridor right now from Lake Charles to New Orleans. Yeah, That's and right. then the I-20 corridor to Shreveport and Monroe. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Claire Bertrand from Workaroo, the Airbnb of office space, and Greg Rodrigue from Hey Cafe and Hey Coffee Company. You know, Greg, you're, uh, you're talking about sustainability and paying those farmers a good price. Doesn't that just, you can't charge too much for coffee. Does, does it eat into your margins? Uh, I mean, short answer, yes. And we just have to try to work it into the a price that we charge for coffees. And I think that the way that we go about that is having a, a range of coffees. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Yemenis coffee might be one of the more expensive coffees that we offer. But then we offer a coffee from Guatemala and a, and, uh, a coffee that we take a ton of pride in from Honduras that is at a somewhat lower price. And I think in trying to offer something to the folks that come into our door, it's like, okay, well, as long as we have options that are um, lower in price and more affordable, then we can have some outlier options that are a little more expensive and feature, um, you know, some of the more rare uh, I guess I would say exciting coffees that the, the world has to offer and they all tell a story they all have something to kind of bring to the table and um, yeah it's I mean it's, it's honestly the the fun part or I mean it's many fun parts of my job but that is a fun part of my job in, in getting to like 
explore these coffees, see how we can bring them into the shop and offer them to uh, either wholesale accounts or um, directly to customers and, and talk about them and feature them. And, and, yeah. and Claire, uh, I would imagine you need to, on both sides, the renter and the uh, person looking for the space, you've got to sort of screen them, right? I don't know if uh, background checks like guns, I don't know how it is actually, I'm just making that up. Yeah, so there were several barriers to entry when we, when we first came up with this idea. Um, so the hurdles that we've crossed is we have ID verification. So anybody who's on our platform has been ID verified by independent source. We have opportunities for everyone to upload their LinkedIn profile or any other social platform they would like. Um, and then we have Yelp reviews on both sides. So there is, there's a constant iteration um, of the hosts and the users reviewing each other just, just so there is that comfort and we know that we're having good people um, coming in and out of um, our spaces. And I think you, this happens a lot when you start a business, but it didn't go exactly the way you thought in that I think you originally thought office space would be the, the big draw, but it hasn't, right? It's been the, the uh, conference uh, table kind of thing? Yeah, so when we first came up with this idea in four years ago, um, it was pre-pandemic, it was 2018, we were beating our heads against the wall saying, remote work, remote work, and no one knew what remote work was. Well, <laughs> we all know what happened in 2020, and here we are. Um, and so what we thought it would be, it would, that it would be about 70% pri like private office on our platform, about 30% conference room, but we're actually seeing it's around 70% conference room that people will need, and 30% private office because people already have a primary office, whether it's at home or in their office, right? So this, we are a secondary office space is essentially what we are. Um, so that's why conference rooms or meeting rooms are gonna be the main drivers for us. You know what came to me first was like a, something where you need a little more format, like a deposition. Is that, that one of the things they do? Yes, I mean, that, um, that, that is actually our ultimate product market fit once we started um, doing our customer discovery, uh, we found out that deposition space for attorneys is our ultimate product market fit. And, and Greg, we talked about how the business might shift from what you originally had, had thought. You, um, you have uh, that, and people brag about this all the time, that music business uh, degree from Loyola. Um, has that helped? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my degrees in marketing and my minor was in music business and that came from um, playing in bands when I was a teenager still to today um, and my, my band Bad Operation played a show this past Saturday you know and I'm still promoting and releasing records that's um, right you have a label right that's correct yeah um, it's called community records and um, yeah, and I'd say the, the main thing that the degree helped with, I guess, was just the confidence in starting a business. I wouldn't say that it gave me some anything secret that anyone else can't find on their own or develop, um, but having the degree at Loyola helped me to feel um, that I could try it and do it and maybe a little less afraid to, well, if I fail, okay. <laughs> you know, and... and um, that's, it's a risk, you know, like any endeavor, it's a risk. And uh, having some foundation has been very helpful. Plus so. your band had one of the best names. I remember seeing it on telephone poles, Fatter Than Albert. Oh yeah. yeah, that yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> that's right, yep. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that grabs me. They, uh, um, Claire, 
we can see the scalability here, you know, as you're kind of like taking over I-10. Um, how do you make sure you don't grow too fast? Where we're keeping the pulse on the market right now, where we are controlling, for lack of a better word, um, the onboarding process of the host that we're that we are putting on our platform. It is coming from our network right now, so we're able to provide a consistent experience, which is what is most important to us. And then we're able to understand which cities we are successful in and which ones we are having a little bit more difficulty growing. So I think each one of these four cities or six cities are very different from each other. They all have different needs, they all have different people. And so understanding these markets will allow us to scale properly into additional markets. So it's just really understanding, diving back into the analytics of of how we grow and, and what our customers truly need. And Greg, you did things to stay alive, which I thought was amazing. Like you, I remember going to the pop-up you had as kind of part of Tipitina's. I mean, where'd you come up with that? Uh, well, you know, Tipitina's is down the street from our original location. And funny enough, uh, so Tommy LeBlanc, our other, the other owner at Hay, he had already kind of started that conversation with Tipitina's because at the time, Tipitina's was having no shows, right? right. So, the, so, the, so the space was not being used for anything. And Tommy had this idea. It's like, wouldn't it be fun if we like put in an espresso machine over there for a month just to have some people on the block over there? And um, Tank, who's the manager, was like, yeah, sounds fun. And that little idea of just having a fun espresso thing on the corner because let's do something exciting turned into hey, we're losing the lease at our space. Can we just go camp out at Tipitina's until that situation changes? And and that's what we did for, I guess, 10 months or so. Um, and once shows started coming back, they needed the bar back to serve nice. customers. And, and we were we had our uh, wheels in motion with the new Broadmoor space. So we were like, okay, cool, that was fun. Uh, see you later, or, you know, see, catch you around at the next show or whatever. You know what I liked? It's so New Orleans. When I'm trying to explain to people where you were, I'd say next to the bar, Miss Mays. How many people in the city give directions based on, <laughs> based on a bar? Right, it's an iconic bar, you know. <laughs> Claire, on those conference uh, rooms, do you provide the technology or that is uh, something they bring or is it the, uh, the people renting the office? Yep, so the people who do list the office, they'll choose what amenities they want to provide. Um, and on our platform, they can check everything they have. So, you know, whiteboard, internet, printer, um, how, many, how many seats they have, four, six, eight, you name it. So whatever amenities they would like to provide, coffee. Coffee is obviously a huge amenity and huge perk for these, these places as well. So we have a list of around 20 different amenities that our, our host can check. And then our users can filter by those amenities that they need. And those users uh, would never be able to find, uh, if the offices and those people with the offices would never be able to find the users, right? I mean, right. So, you're the I mean, condo. that's what we want to do is we want to, I love the connection. I think that's the Louisiana in us. Like, we, people always say, how do you describe Louisiana people from people who aren't from there? I said, we love to connect and we celebrate life. It is just that simple. And so this is a, a platform for us to connect people, to help people on both sides um, through a very seamless, easy manner. Hey, Greg, um, back in uh, 2018, one of our first ideas for Workaroom actually was led by the coffee shop idea. And so we are avid coffee shop workers. We have 
always been. I was a remote worker for around 12 years before I ended up in this world, if you will. Um, and oh, cool. so one of our main um, problems, I guess, that we were facing is I was traveling all over the South and I was looking for great coffee shops where I'd come to New Orleans to, to have a meeting and I would get on my phone and try to find a great coffee shop and I would go to the coffee shop and I would need an outlet. And so one mm. of our first ideas was how do we help coffee shops get more business, mm. but also help make it easier for the user. So we wanted to list coffee shops and ask them to give us a table on our platform. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we would just have a little workeroo, you know, tabletop or whatever it would be. You would say, uh, you know, there's an outlet here. And then there would be a, a spot reserved for anybody coming in. It would be free advertising. It would just help everybody um, know about you that wouldn't necessarily have known about you prior. Um, I, mean, I know local people do, but we have all of these tourists coming into New Orleans. So that was our very first idea in launching who we are. Yeah. I mean, that totally makes sense. And I can see the um, kind of like, quote unquote, third space element of coffee shops and how that correlates into needing a office or meeting spot for work. Um, yeah. Because I mean, people love coffee shops. They love the vibes. Like I go to a coffee shop to hear the to hear the roar, to hear people that uh, around you. Um, you go there for the energy of it. But right. I just needed to know that I had a place to plug in my computer, right? And so, or just listening to other people's conversations. That's funny. Eavesdropping is, is fantastic too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's. Uh yeah, I like that idea. I wonder, I'm sure you've already contemplated this and this is me just thinking off the hip, but like even if it wasn't workspaces per se, just having, um, I'm sure people can find it on their own per se, but having coffee shops on the app just to, okay, you need a single spot. Maybe it's already, I haven't looked at the app, so maybe you already have that covered, you know. Um, no, we haven't added coffee shops, but I think it's a great idea because I think you could maybe have your coffee shop meeting connect there. And if you needed to have, you know, a private numbers, financial conversation, then you could book a private office close by where you didn't necessarily want to have that conversation in public. But I think we don't, our goal is not to be, I think rising tides raise all ships. And so mm -hmm. having coffee shops, having like anybody who has any space, we want to be that platform for connecting and pursuing your dreams, whatever that may be. One of the most popular TV shows in the early 2000s was a comedy called The Office. What made it funny was a disparate group of people doing boring jobs for a lame company, and they were forced into the same space for hours a day. Today, the concept of being forced into a hellscape office to work alongside people you don't want to deal with is seriously dated. For starters, most people aren't stuck in a job they don't like. Uh, these days, if you don't like your job, you quit and you get another one or join the gig economy. And if you do enjoy your job, you're not forced into an office every day. You can work from home from a coffee shop like Hey Cafe, or you can grab an office when you need it on the Workaroo app. Claire and Greg, I look forward to following what promises to be a bright future for Workaroo and for the Hey Coffee Company. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Absolutely, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks having for having me. me. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Claire Bertram, 
the founder of Workaroo and Greg Rodriguez, co-founder and wholesale account manager of Hey Coffee, co-owner of Community Records, and a musician in the band Bad Operation. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Claire and Greg and their various adventures by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, it's neworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Rashidi. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business. New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane, Three Roll is cane to glass. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 